Well, our last lectionary passage of the four passages we have each Sunday comes from the Old Testament prophet of Jonah. Uh, it is another fish tale from the Bible, but we will be in Jonah chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 5 and verse 10. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began going into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. And then verse 10 When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity he said he would bring upon them, and God did not do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman. I don't do much fishing, but when I was growing up, my stepfather would take us fishing anyway. Never really liked it very much, never enjoyed it. Uh, because my stepfather didn't make it much fun. He'd just throw a pole in our hands and tell us to just cast it, and then he'd go to a little ways away where we couldn't bother him with our questions, and then he would go fishing while we kind of sat there and just drug the mud for a bit. But one of the things that I learned through all of those fishing stories, and my son Jackson's shaking his head because he loves fishing quite a bit, but one of the things that you learn about fishing very quickly is it's not a quick thing. It is something that you take a pole, you cast out the line, if you get the right bait and other things, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait until you catch something. Now, when we were at Caswell on vacation earlier this summer, my family and I had bought Devin, uh, uh, my son, a fisher fishing rod, a kid-sized one, and we were fishing off the pier there at Caswell, and he would cast it, and cast it, and cast it, and drag it, and want to pull it back up because nothing would bite. Did you ever catch anything, Devin? No. He didn't catch anything. He's not answering. But no, he didn't catch anything. He would do it over and over again until eventually he just got so frustrated. He said, Mom, can we just go back and go play somewhere else? And that's what they did. Because one of the things that you learn about fishing as you cast your line out and as you wait is it's a waiting person's game. It's something that takes time. It takes intentionality. If you're trying to catch a big fish and you catch small ones, it's throwing them back and casting it out again. It's this process of doing it over and over and over again. And fishing and and many other things in our lives, perseverance is key. But if you continue fishing and casting out the line, if you continue working, it always leads to something amazing. Now, when you're with your friends or family, after that amazing, how amazing it is may stretch just a bit and how you tell the tale Perseverance always leads to something good when you don't give up. As it's already been mentioned in our service this morning, today is our 134th birthday here at Benson Baptist Church. And we are talking about Jonah as we reflect on that. In 1887, 134 years ago, we're told that a few ministers came from the northern part of the United States to eastern North Carolina because they felt that God was calling them to plant a congregation somewhere in eastern North Carolina. Now somehow, one way or another, they ended up in the brand new town of Benson, also founded the same year as our church, and they felt God saying, plant your church here. Get people excited about a new congregation here. This new town needs a church. Go ahead and plant it. 
And so they did, and we are very thankful that they did 134 years later. As we reflect on these 134 years with its difficult moments where we've wanted to stop and other moments where we could see the path that God had ahead of us for miles where everything was clear, I think looking at Jonah, this prophet who was called to go to Nineveh, teaches us a little bit about where we've been, but also teaches us a little bit about where we're going. So if you don't know much about Jonah, and maybe all that you know about Jonah is that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, though I will tell you, go read your Bible this afternoon and you will find there's no whales in that particular book of the Bible. But it does say that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. And most of us know that part of Jonah's story, but we don't know a whole lot of the other parts of his story. So in a few things that are important for us to know, one is Jonah is what's known as a minor prophet in the Old Testament. His story just has four short chapters in the Bible. And even if you use your table of contents right now to look for where Jonah is, you might still miss the book of Jonah as you try to turn to it because it's so short and so small in the bigger tome of the Old Testament. Now in that, you will find that Jonah was a Hebrew man whose people were persecuted and worse by the Assyrian Empire. In the events prior to our lectionary passage for today, Jonah receives a word from God where God says to Jonah, go to the Assyrian city of Nineveh and tell them that they have not been living in very good ways. And if they don't figure something out, if they don't change who they are, let them know that I am going to destroy their city in just a few months' time. Now Jonah, as you can imagine, as someone who's been persecuted by these people, does not like the idea of warning his enemies about a coming destruction. Wouldn't it be better for them just to continue living as they have and let God destroy them? Because without the Ninevites, without the Assyrians there, the Hebrew people will have an easier life. They'll be able to go about their days without worrying about threat from these people in this city. To someone like Jonah, one could imagine that the destruction of one's enemies would certainly make for a more hopeful future. And so with all that in mind, Jonah decides to run away. He gets on a ship headed in the opposite direction of Nineveh and begins to ride away from the call that God has placed in his life. He has no intention of going anywhere near Nineveh. Now, if you don't know the full story of how the great fish comes about, a bad storm comes up while the ship is headed away. The ship gets close to capsizing. Now, the captain and his crew, they begin to worry that they are going to die, and so they begin to pray to their individual gods for salvation, that the storm would end. But the captain, when that doesn't work, goes and finds Jonah, who is asleep in the middle of the storm. Sounds familiar, right? And says to Jonah, pray to your God. Maybe your God is the one who's mad. Maybe your God is the one who is causing this storm. Pray, and maybe your God will end the storm. And so Jonah tries to do that, and of course, it doesn't work. And so the sailors think to themselves, well, somebody is causing this storm. Somebody has angered a God out there somewhere, and we are going to figure out who it was. And so they draw straws, they cast lots to figure out who it must be. And of course, as we know, Jonah draws the short stick. When he pulls it out, the crew kind of looks at him and they say, What in the world did you do to make your God so angry? And Jonah says, I worship the God of the land and the sea. And that God asked me to go and to do something. And I decided to run away. And I'm sure at that point the captain and the sailors are wondering why in the world he ran away on their ship. But they start to ask, well, what do you think we need to do? You've made God mad. This is on you. What can we do to fix this? 
And in that mind, an idea comes into Jonah's head. Another way of fleeing the call that God has placed on him to go to Nineveh. He says, toss me overboard. Throw me overboard. Get me off the ship. And when you do, the storm will end. God will be appeased and everything will be okay. You can imagine Jonah wanting to get away from what he has to do. Being tossed into an ocean with no way of escape would end another way to end his particular journey. Now the sailors don't want to do this at first, but they eventually throw Jonah overboard. And immediately the storm cease. And the sailors were told, the end of their story is, that they begin to worship the God of Jonah. They begin to make sacrifices there on the ship and thank God that they have been spared. Jonah, meanwhile, expecting maybe to breathe his last there in the sea, does not die as God sends, as we have heard in the well of the tale that we've heard, a big fish to swallow him. And there in the belly of the fish, Jonah lives for three days. And if you read the book of Jonah, you'll find there in chapter 2 that Jonah wrestles with God a little more, with his call from God a little more. He wrestles with exactly what he's supposed to do. But after three days, he says to God, all right, I'll go to Nineveh. Give me one more chance. I will go and I will tell them what you want me to say. And so the fish, as we see in this old painting, spits Jonah out on the shore and Jonah begins to make his way to Nineveh. Now, we're also told in the book of Jonah that at the time, Nineveh was a city of about 120,000 people. That's just a little bit bigger than the city of Fayetteville today. We don't consider that very large, especially in compared to New York City or somewhere else. But in the time of Jonah, that was a pretty large city. Now, the book of Jonah tells us it would take three days to walk across from one gate to the other, from one border to the other, across Nineveh. And in Jonah chapter 3, we're told that Jonah travels one-third of the way into the city. He stops one-third of the way in, and he begins to preach. He begins to tell the people what God is going to do if they don't change, that God will destroy the city in just 40 days' time. Now, immediately, word begins to spread across the city as Jonah begins to tell them what God had called him to do, and much to Jonah's chagrin, the, the city begins to change. The Ninevites change their ways. They tear their clothes, they put on sackcloth, a sign of mourning, and they begin to say to God, we are sorry that we have done this. We are sorry that we have turned on you. They begin to worship and to change their ways, and we're told that God changes God's mind on the fact that God was going to destroy them. Now, like Jonah, the men and women who founded Benson Baptist Church 134 years ago heard a similar call from God to go. Now, it wasn't exactly the same, and we see here the original church building that was just a little ways from where we are today. And when they built this church building, when they started this church, they weren't feeling called by God to go to a city that was going to be destroyed, but they did feel God calling them to go to a city that needed the gospel message of Jesus, that needed a message of change and transformation. On January 24, 1887, they founded the faith community, the first church of any type in the new town of Benson. Now, the details that we have today, because we don't have a lot of good historical record, are not full, but Todd and others are working on that, so we'll have that at some point. But on that Monday in 1887, a group of four ministers would gather to follow Christ's call to make disciples of all nations, beginning right here in this community. Four ministers who believed that God had called this community of faith to do something amazing, that God had called this community of faith to worship here. Now, one of those founders was A.N. Campbell, the father of J.A. Campbell, who would also found Bowie's Creek Academy that eventually would go on to become K-12 
Campbell University with J.A. becoming one of our pastors after his father. But all of them believed that God was calling them to something big. Now since that time, countless others, those in this room included, have picked up the mantle and continued to carry it. Have they always gotten it right? Have we always gotten it right? No. But has those moments of not getting it right, or those moments we do get it right, has that ever stopped us as a community from growing and living into the larger call of Christ to impact those that surround us? Absolutely not. You see, in the 134 years since those original ministers gathered to found this body, we have seen God work in too many amazing ways to stop when we don't get it right, or stop when things are going great. We have seen too much happen to give up on the call that God has placed in this place. We've seen God do amazing things. And I think a few of the ways to take note on this 134th anniversary of the way that God has worked in and through us is to look at our ministries. Now, one of the ways that we've seen God work, of course, is through our facilities. Now, we, some of us, are sitting or standing in a congregation, in a sanctuary, rather, that was built in 1916, or at least completed at that time. And with its castle-like towers, has stood here on the corner of church at 301 as a community, as a building with stained glass windows and everything else that tell anyone who has ridden a horse and buggy down this street or driven a, a motor vehicle down this street or walked down a sidewalk that this is a place for worship. That this is a place that follows Christ. That not just follows Christ, but prays with Christ as Jesus is doing in one of our stained glass windows or goes and seeks even the least of these as Jesus is carrying the 90 the hundredth sheep from the 99 that was lost this building certainly has been a way that God has said to this community this is a community of faith that follows Jesus and that worships together we also think of our education wing built in the 1960s to create intentional space for discipleship so that anyone who came through the doors of this sanctuary would have a place to grow and have a place to, to experience Christ in new ways. Because as you can imagine, as this church began to grow, the Sunday school rooms that are beneath our feet in the basement where the youth room is and these partition rooms started to get full. They needed more space. They needed place to grow, to make disciples. And so they built the education building that some of you walked through to get here today. We, of course, also think of our fellowship hall, which was completed almost two decades ago to expand our ministry of relational growth and to give our community as a whole a place to come together and to flourish. In the last 10 years, it's also given a sanctuary space for our 845 contemporary service to grow and worship together. These spaces surely surpass any vision that our founders had for this campus and this community of faith. They've certainly lived as we've lived and worshipped within them into the founders' original intent as many have come to know Christ, to grow in their relationship with him, and as we've built formative relationships and memories within the walls of these spaces. But one of the things about Vincent Baptist Church that I think is important is that we as a congregation from that very first Monday in 1887 all the way to today, we are a people who have realized that the Church of Christ, while encapsulated in these beautiful stained glass windows and in these three buildings on the church campus, we are a church that is not just our buildings. We are a church that reaches out, a church that has seen God do much through community outreach and through service. 
These years have seen us step beyond these walls as we've partnered with groups like the Benson Area Ministerial Association to meet hunger needs through their food pantry. As you see, Reverend Felicia and some of our youth and uh, some of our not youth there as well serving at the food pantry this past week. We've also seen God work through our own homegrown ministries, like our food pantry that Debbie Champagne and Carrie Willis and some of the staff help work each week that serves 40 to 50 families every single month, thanks to most of you as it relies on donations. And some of you have been at the door many times when we have run out of food. We think of our benevolence ministry where someone can reach out to the church because they need help, because they're about to lose one of the things that they need to survive, power or heat or water or some of the things we take for granted as we are able to help them. We think of our Lunch on the Lawn ministry that happens every summer as Amy Whittington and others go out to Vias Park and give food to those who need it and play games and build relational connection for so many in our community. We've also seen God work in amazing ways through our mission trips and our service trips, both here in town, but also even outside of our nation, as we have sought to go and share the gospel message to the very ends of the earth. We've now seen 134 years of people living out their call to serve and make disciples in this community, and God has done much as we have changed and grown together. Now moving forward, as we come out of a year where people have gotten used to being home for just about everything, including church, we'll have to begin to ask in new ways, what does it mean to share our faith in our workspaces, in our schools, and yes, inside and outside of our church campus? As individual Christians and as a church community, we've got a lot more journeying to do coming out of this pandemic than we certainly did coming into it. In our passage, Jonah eventually arrives at the place where God has called him, to Nineveh, seen here in what an artist believes it would have looked like back then. And when he gets there, he travels one-third of the way into the city. In this one-third journey, change begins to happen, and the city begins to transform into a place that is known for righteousness rather than a place that God wants to destroy. One-third of the way in was enough to begin to foster change and see people coming to know God in the way God had desired for them to do. Yet one-third of the way in was not nearly enough journeying to cover this entire city, to cover the fullness that God had placed on the prophet. To see the entirety of Nineveh change, Jonah still had more road to walk. He had to keep going. He had to keep sharing the message of hope and change that God had given to him. And friends, as the congregation at Benson Baptist Church, we have much journeying and work to do as well. Our journey is not complete either. Our 134 years of journeying and worshiping and serving together are not the completion of the calling first experienced by those founding members. The work ahead of us is still a full task that will require us to keep moving, to keep visioning, to keep believing that the best is still yet ahead as we follow God's call, to believe that what those original ministers started here in these city limits is something that God is still calling us to. Now, even as individual Christians, we still have work to do. We can easily look into our world, into the lives of those around us, and see a need for us to love deeper, to listen more, to be kinder at every turn. Because you see, as long as we have breath and resources, Christ calls us to continue moving forward, to keep being outposts as individuals and as a community that represents the kingdom of God wherever we go. Now, like Jonah, we may not always like where God might call us to be as his presence, but we still have to keep journeying forward, being the presence of Christ 
whenever we can. And so, as we've asked many times in our worship services, what's next? As we look ahead, as we try to figure out what is God calling us to do, how do we live into that original call that led those founders to, find, to found Benson Baptist Church, that led those that followed them to build this sanctuary in which some of us sit, that led others just a little while ago to build an ed education building so that people could grow, that led some of you just a few decades ago to build a new fellowship hall, one of the biggest spaces of its kind in town that has hosted prayer gatherings, has hosted meals, has hosted weddings, has hosted even funeral meals, as we saw this past week. What is next for that church? Well, the short answer for all of us as individuals and as a church is it's to be determined. As we pray, as we grow in relationships, as we reach out, as we learn through difficult conversations, as we study scripture together, as we listen to one another and those in our community, as we build a common vision, I believe that the answer will become clearer. But in that work, the challenge before us is to not give up. It's to not lose hope. It's to not let go of the call that has been passed from generation to generation for the last 134 years of our church. And like Jonah, this call will be unique to us. God didn't call anyone else when Jonah said, I'm done. I'm getting on the ship. I'm going away. I'm jumping in the sea. I'm going to end all of this. God kept calling to Jonah. God could have called someone else. But God did not. Jonah's calling was unique to Nineveh, and God wasn't about to let anyone else take it on. And just like the prophet in the Old Testament, you have an individual purpose from God. You have a unique calling from God, and you'll discover it as you keep praying, as you keep studying Scripture, as you keep listening for the unique spaces and ways that you are being called to live out your calling, one that nobody else has been given and just like us as individuals, as a congregation, our calling is just as unique. And it will take a similar journey to find it. So we must not give up as we journey forward together. Which brings us this morning to our 2021 mission statement that has been created by our church council just last week. As a church, the church council is guided and directed to think through where we've been. To not just plan a calendar, but also think ahead. What are the goals or the missions that we need to focus on in the year that is to come? And so this is what the church council, the current church council, came up for us as a congregation to focus on as individuals and together in the next year. As a goal, we will work towards seeing increased church engagement through intentional planning, spiritual discipleship, relational growth, and community engagement. Again, we will work to see increased church engagement through intentional planning, spiritual discipleship, relational growth, and community engagement. Now, over the next few weeks, we will look at what each of these things mean through email and through other things and what our church council means by these things. But I encourage and challenge each of you this week. It'll go out in our email tomorrow. You can see it and look at it. I encourage you to look at that. To pray and ask God, how are you calling me to move forward in my own unique calling in these ways? And how can I be involved in my church community, in the Benson Baptist community, to also live into my call to worship in these ways as well? Now, the church council has set a lofty goal before us this year. As we, as we aim for these things, we know that the year that we are coming from has been difficult, that times have been tough. But to reach these four areas, to see God working in immeasurably more ways than we could ask or imagine, we're going to have to listen to one another, yes. 
We're going to have to seek Christ's voice together. We're going to have to go out and serve where we're needed as God calls us. And we are going to have to vision every single day as individuals and as a church in hope for what could be. The journey ahead will not be easy for us. It will not be without its hurdles as all 134 congregations of this church have experienced as well. We truly have a Nineveh-sized mission ahead of us. Just like those founders 134 years ago, we have to keep the faith. We have to keep journeying, and we must never, ever give up. From wherever you may be gathered today, and I know the founders would have never imagined our congregation spread out for Sunday worship as we are today, but from wherever you are, happy birthday, Benson Baptist Church community. I truly believe that as we seek God in scripture, in prayer, and together, we will see God do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask and imagine. So happy 134 years. Here's to many, many, many more.